Welcome to the Marshall Street Podcast. Welcome. 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 <laughs> we're back. We are back. And uh, today we're going to talk about shoot. live shows, playing live versus building an online following. Um, I think it can kind of polarize some young artists. They do either. Uh, they do them well, but they don't kind of focus their attention on both at the same time. Mm. Um, or some of them do. I guess this is the discussion we're going to have. So it's the difference between playing a whole heap of shows, a whole heap of live shows, um, which as many up-and-coming artists will know, sometimes you end up playing to an empty room on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights. They're really good to build up your skills. However, they don't do a great deal to actually build your audience. Mm. Um and the opposite is there's artists who spend all their time in their room building online audiences and they're doing that really well. They are engaging and connecting with fans, but without playing live, they're missing out on that skill set that is, you know, inevitably that's really at the fucking at the heart of being an yeah. artist. Yeah. Playing live. Unless you, you know, unless you're wanting to be a bedroom performer, which yep. these days you, you totally can, but it's not really the traditional way of um, being an artist and being a musician and if you want to idol you know if you idolize all the pop stars or even hip-hop artists or anything like that you know you one day you're going to be playing live yep and so i mean you don't have the live set to back it up correct like what's you know? yeah because i guess um like sure i mean i only speak for myself here but watching live shows and concerts and fucking like rock bands and artists play live is what got me into music. Yeah, it's that lead, that it's probably live the same music. For most people, I'd say. I think so. Um, yeah, I reckon. But I think there's just because of the kind of the lack of numbers that, especially midweek gigs, pull. Um, you know, the focus has kind of drifted away from that in many starting artists starting out. Yeah, I reckon it's it's hard. It's hard for people that want to play because when you're first starting, you have to start somewhere. And if you don't know anyone and all that sort of stuff, then you inevitably have to play the midweek gigs that are sometimes not a lot of fun. I mean, you can, I mean, this is kind of what we want to talk about, but. Yeah. Cause I guess even just, I'm going to pause you there. Yeah. When you say they're not a lot of fun, I think I disagree with that because I guess they should be fun. Yeah, they I should be. I think if they're not fun, then you're looking at it for the yeah. wrong reason. You want something out of it that's not there. You want that instant satisfaction yeah. of, oh, I'm playing to a huge crowd straight away. When you don't get that, the fun part should be, playing music to whether it's fucking one yeah. person or just getting out and playing, putting something mm. creative into the world, I think is what it should be about. Yeah, absolutely. What do you reckon on this, Davey? Oh, I'm in two minds about this because one, I like going to live shows, but I've been super disappointed in the turnout or the venues that I've been to in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And two, I do like the online journey of seeing how songs are getting get made or like that connection you get over a few weeks of watching someone. Mm. But it's different when you see them live because there's like an energy. Like, yeah. like the good example I've got just from the last couple of weeks was Baker's Eddie's show at the... Stay Gold in Brunswick. Stay Gold. There was two bands on before them, and they were they were decent. They were like good bands. They, they were decent. They, like, one of them had a really really good drummer. That was like I don't know, like I don't know really know that much about musical mm. ability. I just know about energy and like I can see that that yeah, person's yeah. like killing it. Um, and then Baker's Eddie come on, and it's a whole oh, they different destroyed. league. They it's completely like completely destroyed the fucking yeah. place. And then you see it's like oh shit, like yeah, that's like because it's like when you go see a giant concert when you're there just to see that one person yeah. like muse or fucking something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know exactly what you're getting. You're going to yeah. get, you're going to muse. Mm -hmm. It's going to be amazing. You don't get a comparison, but when I saw mm. Baker's Eddie, it was like this comparison between these opening bands and then them. And you're like, that's like, it's a, it's night and day. Yeah. Yep. Mm. No, hundred percent. And even Baker's Eddie they're one of the things that drew, I mean, a lot of their fans and the first time I saw them was recommended by you. Yes. was their live show. Yeah. And you know, and these guys have played so many shows together. Like they have, played yeah, so hundreds. many hundreds upon hundreds and like all over the place multiple shows in a day they're no stranger to getting in a fucking car driving around a country australia they've toured europe um and just playing a buttload of shows just to hone their skills live yeah yeah and they're good and you can tell like you, yeah. as soon as you see them live you're like holy shit yeah this is what live music is about mm -hmm. and then the second part of that is i'm disappointed in venues the state gold was pretty good they had a pretty good turnout but baker's eddie have been cultivating a following for a while like i don't know it feels like venues have gotten so lazy with their shit mm. it's hard you have to look at it from the perspective of the the venue owners where it's 
I don't know if hard's the right word, but to be um, the person that is in charge of like every little thing about putting on a show every single day of the week, if your venue does that, yeah, you know, I guess if that's your job, you should be good at it. But, you know, I feel like there are a lot of venues and there always has been, it's never changed in my eyes that they're venues that just, have bands there and it's like that's their thing they just have bands there and you know people that come the bands play and the sound guy does the sound and that's it the venue's kind of just the venue it's not really anything else i i, I know like the building's mm. the building you can't really fuck with that and i get that there's a lot going on but like i reckon one night a week is better than every night of the week if that one night you have like a five 100%. band lineup and yeah, it's yeah. sick. But what about them paying their bills? What you, if they're yeah, but you can be a bar in between the week. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's, I'm sure venue owners would go, well, people just aren't coming out to fucking gigs during the week as yeah. much as they would or as much as they used to, which I guess is fine. So then it's kind of like, do you let the fucking, like the live venue, I guess, kind of drop because people aren't going or do you try to improve it to attract yeah, exactly. people? Hundred percent. Like, which one is the? Um, yeah. Which one are they going off? I well, think- that that's the scene. Has, well, not the scene. There's just the music industry in general has changed so dramatically. I mean, Melbourne's still amazing for live music. There's bands playing all the fucking time, mm-hmm. but it's it still has changed the vibe around going to see live music. Yeah. Like Even when I was when I was like 18, 19, 20, it was still like How long, you still that was a while ago was it? <laughs> Yeah, 1970s. You still were like it was still a thing to go to a gig, but it could have been because I was young. It's so hard to know. Mm. Yeah, was it the same? I don't know. If I was, you know, 32, then would I have felt the exact same way, or would I have been like, nah, it's different now? And I think it's impossible to tell. Yeah, and I think some venues also get a name for themselves. Like, there's, I don't think they're still around anymore, but. Oh, I'm fucking, I've just got barleycorn. Um, like, they were just known for giving anybody a gig. Like, fuck, mm. even if you didn't even know how to fucking plug in an amp, they'd yeah. give you a show. And they got there's known no, for that. There's no threshold. There, there was like, no yeah. quality control. Like, And that yeah. was everyone's first gig almost yeah. was at the barleycorn. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, like, I'd kind of know if I was going to a gig there, one, I wasn't going there for the music. I was either going there to catch the meet up with the people playing or to fucking, yeah. you know, to drink or whatever. It wasn't for the music. Um, but then, and then there's other venues where it's like, you know, something like the corner, if you go in there, you're like, okay, cool. I'm in for a show. So I think venues do have a kind of, uh, some playing in terms of cultivating the bands that they let play. Um, and then I guess it's kind of, yeah, that the, you know, what, what line do they just go, okay, we need bands to fucking pay our bills or or do they go, okay, we want to maintain some quality control around this venue. We want to be known for good acts. The most recent one that tried that was Howler. Mm. They were the they were the most recent one that tried to be like okay we're gonna put, have a standard we've got a really good band room the band room um, is sick yeah we're not gonna just put any shit kicker band on bills and it you know it's expensive to hire and they've got good quality gear and all that sort of stuff but they didn't really didn't they it fell apart or are they still going or uh, someone I bought think them out they or had trouble with noise complaints to be honest oh really yeah, yeah. okay. God. So they were succeeding with their actual. I think they were going. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were. It was. I think noise complaints Mm -hmm. um, had got them into some trouble. But Stay Gold's a a newer bar. Yeah, they've only been around two or three years. Yep. Um, That band room's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good band room. Yep. Yep. The Croxton redid its interior. Brings it to another point. So much about the venue is the actual booker that's attached to the venue. It is, yeah. Um, So the Croxton got a mad fucking booker. Um, I mean, it helps that they have pokies there, so they have a significant revenue stream coming in, uh, which allowed them to put a whole heap of cash into that band room, do it up so it's super good. They were able to get a band booker who's fucking legit. um, And then now they book awesome fucking shows there. Yeah. They have internationals and everything. Like really big shows. Yeah. That's that's the sort of stuff that I'm talking about. It's like, even if it was once a month and you knew that there was like something, something that went on once a month at this one place, like, and you knew it was going to be decent and you knew you were going to see bands you hadn't seen before. You could make a night of it. You could like plan your. Well, that's what nightclubs are essentially, though. There's still alternative nightclubs. Not Stay the Gold. Ones I go to. <laughs> Stay Gold. They're just called strippers. Stay Gold <laughs> does AMPM, 
AM, PM. Is that a stay gold? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's the newest like punk, Bang. hardcore, like yeah. alternative, alternative um, night. And they do that, you know, once a month, once a month or so. Okay. Um, so they do exist. It's, um, I don't know. But it, it depends on, that's a nightclub though. So it's like Stay Gold is a venue that they throw shows, but they also do the AMPM nightclub. Mm. So it's kind of multifaceted, which is a good thing. Mm. You know, you, you're, you're still hosting good bands, um, yeah. local bands as well, but then you might be doing something that's a little bit more. I think what we've touched um, on unintentionally is that venues, much like everyone else in either the music industry or any industry, venues need to adjust their business structure because you can't just be kind of linear one mm. thing anymore. You can't just be a fucking venue. You've got to have multi, mm. multi-faceted avenues of income stream, much yeah. like the studios, much like a lot of what everyone else is because I guess the internet really has put the squeeze on a lot of things. Mm. Um, but even getting back to that, what in starting off, say an artist is in their first you know, 12 months of being an artist, um, which one which one weighs more in your opinion? I mean, obviously there's no right or wrong. It really depends on what you're going for. I think the playing live gives you so much, you, you learn so much from playing live about yourself, about crowds, about, you know, your stage presence, how well you sing. Like there's so much to learn from playing gigs that I think that you cannot yep. not play gigs. I think that's like just, it's just such an important part of being a young band, a young musician, young solo artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you limit yourself and you are limiting yourself, if you're just a, um, you know, just a recording artist, I don't know, there's something missing to me. Yep. So definitely. And I even- don't know that it's more important. I just think that it's a really important part of the process. Yep. And, and, Touching that, the stuff you learn, like, fuck, I mean, from the DYE shows, like, there is so much, so many things can go wrong in a live performance mm-hmm. that you don't know until it's happened. Mm-hmm. And going through that learning curve is well, a huge what's, thing. Tell a story. What's like, the, what's like fresh in your mind? What is the worst thing that happened to DYE on the stage? Fuck, how long you got? I remember when I saw you guys at that, um, it was at the Vic Markets. Yeah, at and Melbourne Music Week yeah, with all day. Yeah, the, the subs were too loud. They were knocking your needle well, off. Well, that was, we'd gone, we had already gone through two turntables that Cut Copy had used the night before at Melbourne yeah. Music Week. That was with Goldsmith. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Yes, because that was when I saw him there again. Yeah. Um, but they'd gone, so we had the turntables Cut Copy used the night before, worked fine for that gig mm. on our sound check. Um, one of them just wasn't fucking rolling. Was getting mm. no single from one. So they swap out, get another turntable. That gets going. And then, yeah, the subs under the fucking stage were cranking so much that then all the fucking needles were bouncing. Um, and then so it's like, keep, fuck, yeah. unless you just keep loading up that needle with fucking weight, um, you know, you need to turn the subs down and that do will something. In- inevitably damage the turntable as well. Yeah. <laughs> like- so, um, I mean, and when you're playing vinyl, like with needles, there's so much that can go wrong. Sydney Meyer at... Pushover Fest, the PA caught fire side of the stage and Sydney Meyer lost power. <laughs> That's, that would be so rare though. Yeah, that but, would be so, again, but it, it happened. And then, you know, yeah, so, and you can't Matt, predict that. So Matt, like he's, I mean, everyone who knows fucking Zola, like he can, he can um, come up with shit on the spot. He's yeah. good Improvisation. At, yeah, improvising. And so his ability to cover us in a lot of those situations just made it, it takes you to another level if the crowd, because the crowd can pick up when shit's not going to plan. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not fucking idiots. If you look like a fucking, oh, yeah, oh, if, if I you don't know what's going yourself, on. They're like, oh, wow, People this person's out of their element. But if they see that something hasn't gone to plan, but they can watch you pick it back up and improvise and keep mm. shit going and keep going while someone in the back fucking adjust something like, yeah. it just shows another level of professionalism. And I don't think you do reach that um, ability unless you've gone through the things that go wrong and learn there, from them. There's so, and it takes such a long time to hone your skills as a live performer. Um, like I've been playing gigs since I was 16, 15, but I don't. I didn't start to focus on the live performance until I was about twenty. I don't think twenty twenty one or something like that. I think when I was um, in a band called Weather Taker, we were playing pub gigs and stuff. But I was still like seventeen years old, and we focused on the performance of like what we needed to do and how we wanted to play. But it wasn't really like from a consumer's point of view. It was more just like what looks fucking awesome and what looks crazy and which I guess is kind of something. Mm. But then I feel like when it came to like being in the spin set 
Like that was like a time where every time we played, we were like, okay, what did we do well? Um, what went wrong? You know, I blew my voice out before our EP launched because I was singing along to the playbook and they, cause they were doing an Atari cover and then I couldn't sing for that set. And I was like, that's pretty fucking stupid, but <laughs> you know, I had a good time and it didn't really matter, but, but you guys there's just things that you learn. And then from then I'm like, since that gig, I'm like, I'm not going to drink heaps and like go nuts for a band before my gig. And I wouldn't have learned that if I didn't fuck my mm -hmm. voice before a major show. So like, yeah, there's so much to learn. Yep. And even yeah. another point of that is actually learning it. Like you can do shit wrong. And if you don't learn from it and actively try to improve on it, like you're just going to do the same stupid shit over and over again. Yeah, because you think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, so, but it depends on how serious you want to take it. Yep. So, mm. what do you reckon, Davey? I reckon, I've just been thinking about, so you talking about being 21-year-old and fucking your voice and learning like <clears throat> that whole live gig kind of etiquette, let's say. Mm. Um, like thinking about how you'd go about that today, you'd probably... Start online, I think, would be. If, I think it's what we, I'd do. We were still, I was still focusing a lot on Twitter and we were uploading YouTube covers and all that sort of stuff. So we were focusing on uh, online without knowing how. We were just kind of doing it, which was really good. I think it's better than not doing it. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't really know what to focus on. So we just kind of put all of our energy into things that we thought were good, which is a good thing. You know, it could pay off. Um, I guess the, the availability of everything now is kind of what has changed it. I think that's like a big difference, but there's still so many unknowns. Like people don't know what hashtagging is and why it's important. Something as simple as that. It's like, we know, cause we like work with it all the time, the point of hashtagging, but for someone that doesn't, they just think that you attach this word to a photo and that's it. Mm. And that's the purpose. It's like, hang on, you're missing yeah. the point of a hashtag. Just stuff like that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, And even that's a thought, sorry to cut you off there, something just popped in my head then. Um, I think, and it's kind of human nature, but I think a lot of people will polarise it and try to do one or the other or one extreme or the other. Like, well, I can't do both. You can't play live and be alone following like hugely. Mm. When I think it's, you you kind of especially at the start you can but you just don't have to put as much emphasis on every aspect of it mm. like you're when you're going about building your online following some artists might have in their head well if i'm building an, i've got to go i've got to get fucking ten thousand followers it's got to be when really all it has to do is you're just ticking it over learning what it is learning what mm. hashtags are like you're just kind of keeping it going so that kind of like pushing a snowball down the hill it's just going to get bigger and bigger but it's just keeping it ticking over. And same with playing live. A yeah. lot of them, when they in their head, if they haven't played live, they've got this big illusion of playing live and like, I'm going to be playing to thousands of people and there's going to be fucking singing. It's like, it's probably, it's not, but like you have to get through, you can play shows that as you were saying. I think, yeah, with the snowball thing, I think the other thing with that is as you meet people and as you learn, you naturally get better at stuff and you naturally meet people that can help you. So it becomes less of a... I have to do everything myself and more of a how do I get to the point that I need to get to. So for example, you know, before you've even started, you wouldn't know any photographers unless you did some research. Whereas if you played a gig and then there was a photographer there, you meet that person and then you know that you can get them for the next gig. So that's like one thing. That's just one small thing that you didn't know before, but now you do know. And that will help you build your online presence because you'll have photos for your social media. Mm. And it's just little things like that, that if you're not playing gigs, meeting people and networking and meeting all the other bands, meeting sound guys, meeting venue owners, band bookers, all that sort of stuff, you're not doing it. So that's a lot of different pieces of the, the big puzzle, puzzle yeah. that you aren't having. And I think that that's like, yeah, you, you, yeah. That's yep. kind of the main thing is that you're missing out on so much. Yep, definitely. And then I guess the other side is, um, you know, all most people will heavily focus on your socials. Like the first thing they'll ask if people say, oh, I play in a band or I'm an artist, they go, cool, watch your Instagram, watch your Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I guess in that capacity as well, they're, they're in a lot of people when they're starting off in their head, they're like, well, these online presence is so huge. Mm. So they put all the weight on that, understandably so, because one, the cost of entry is fucking zero. Yeah. They can be in their underpants in their room and start the Instagram page and actively work on it. But that. if that's your thing, you know, go hey, for it. You know, in the, they can start a Facebook without having to leave their room, you know, and especially if with creatives, there is a lot of introverts and um, people who, you know, getting out and socializing with complete randoms isn't, you know, something that they might do all the time. Um, so there is that kind of social barrier as well as if people don't drive, how are they going to get to a venue? You know, if mm. they feel they don't have a band, they're just an individual artist and they're not going to play shows. So I guess the actual cost of entry to playing live, you have to actually organize it with a booker. A lot you have to effort. actually get a fucking poster. You actually, you have to put well, in some stuff. Mm. And I think that's why kind of people gravitate. And I'm just talking about this because I've noticed recently, um, that there is more and more artists who are building huge online followings from their bedroom, but that's it. And all yeah. the other aspects, they're kind of, it's like they're waiting for it. To have, they're like, well, I'm huge on Instagram. Why aren't I a huge yeah. famous now? So I, I, I agree, but I sort of disagree in the way that I reckon, like you're saying, it's, it's less effort to do it from your bedroom. I reckon it's probably the same amount of effort. It's just that like, the minimum viable product amount of effort is more for live because yep. you've got to go meet with people. You've got to talk to bookers and blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. And with your bedroom, you can just turn on your laptop's webcam and off you go. Yep. But you can put that amount of effort into your online presence and succeed that way. That is a possibility. You can do that. But you're right in the way that you when you say, oh, like someone who builds a huge Instagram following or a Facebook following and they're huge online and then they go, well, why the hell aren't I doing all these live shows? It's like, well, you don't have a live show presence. Like, you know, all of your followers might be yeah, from England. The thing with that though, I don't know that people are saying, why don't I have live gigs? I think yeah. they're just not doing it. I don't but know. I, I, that, think there I, is, think, I think there is a um, uh, mindset of it'll come uh, to I them. I should get booked. Yes. Someone should book yep. me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I know what you mean now. Yeah, because I've heard a few people speak like, yeah, I'm just like waiting for waiting for people to call me. It's like, why would they call you? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, you gotta you gotta start somewhere. The the I think the one thing that I've learned from working here is people like to jump to step six before they've done one to five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you you cannot miss out on all of those things to get to that stage because it's just it's just not something that's possible it might happen so rarely but then you're you're still going to have to learn steps 1 through to 5 but you're doing it in the wrong order yep. and that's harder mm. so you might as well start at step 1 and then just take it step by step and really you know grind it out for the first a uh, year or two yeah. and just learn as much as you can in those years because that's what those years are for. They're, they're for learning. Yep. You, you need to um, have a measuring stick without, without having booked a gig, without having to promote something like a gig. You know, you're, you haven't got anything to measure it by so there's no, no way to know what how worked, successful like you yeah. are. And, um, and you just learn so gradually that, you need to do it very regularly. Like we were saying the other day, we um, had Alex in for artist coaching last night um, and we were saying she was she's playing her second gig this week um, and we basically said it's good that you're starting to book your gigs but don't always think of every single gig has to be the, the fanfare. You have to put yep. out, you know, take specific photos for every single gig that you play. You have to promote everyone as hard, you know, you have to put money towards promotion of every gig. You're better off playing one gig every two or three weeks, um, you know, and promoting every fourth gig, say, yep. um, and making that a really big one that you want everyone to, to come to. That way you can play those middle of the week gigs and you're learning different things Yep. Um, because you're just going to burn yourself out. If, you, if you're making every single gig that you're playing the one that people have to come to, mm. people won't come. One, yep. and then you'll go, oh, fuck, people aren't coming to my gigs. It's like, yeah, because yeah, you're looking at things yep. in the wrong... In the wrong way, definitely. I think that's a great point. Like you don't... There doesn't have to be this 
extreme one or the other. It doesn't, it, it can be both. Like, you know, I think it's part of accepting that being an artist, there is all these elements and skills you're going to have to pick up. A huge one of it is playing live. Mm. So you go, cool, I'm going to play live every two weeks for the next six months. Mm. For six months, I'm going to play fucking 12 shows. I'm going to play every two weeks. And in that, I'm only going to promote, as in heavily promote. Obviously, you want to promote everything. You can start a Facebook page and push it. Yep. But in terms of paid promotion, if you want to do sponsored ads, if you want to get some posters printed out, or if you want to get a photographer to it, you might go, okay, I'm going to play a gig every two weeks and I'm going to heavy heavily promote one in four. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, you're playing a lot of shows at different venues. So you're going to be learning all those skills. You're going to be meeting all these different band bookers. You're going to be meeting all these different managers, TMs, whoever you're playing with, let alone three different artists on that bill. You're going to be pushing one in four. So there's going to be constantly um, advertising of your shows coming out. So people aren't ever going to think that you're not active um, as well as learning everything in the background. The other thing that you can do, um, and it's a, there's, there's kind of, two arguments here is when you're ready, which you should consider it early is touring. And I think when you're touring, because you don't have the expectation that you need to pull people um, to a gig, you know, you're not expected as an, as an interstate artist to bring 50 people unless you have that sort of a following, which is rare at the start, but the touring side of things is super important, but it's the same sort of thing. You're playing gigs, in quick succession in a place where you're not expected to pull people. So you promote it online, try and get as many people to come down, but you use that as the experience of playing live as well. You might mm -hmm. do that, you know, three months down the line. You wouldn't necessarily start off by touring because that's it's just so much to to um to, plan. to do in the in the first, you know, when you're first starting your band. So you yep. probably would if you're first starting, I guess. Think about it six months down the track, but start planning now that you're going to do a tour um, with a single release or an EP release or something like that. But those quick succession gigs, they also teach you something as well. Definitely. So there's the playing in your home state in Melbourne. If you're from Melbourne, you're playing there once every couple of weeks, every third or fourth gig, you're going to promote really heavily. You, The mindset around it, you, you don't want to have all these expectations that every gig's going to be fucking packed because it's unrealistic unless you get lucky. Um, but your mindset needs to be around like, this is why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to get my chops up. Um, yeah. And it, and it should be enjoyable. At the yeah. End of the day. Like you, if it's a strain for you to do that, like, fuck, what's going to happen when see, you're expected yeah. to tour for fucking six months straight? Mm. Um, so, you know, don't forget that it should be enjoyable. Mm. And then I guess to go inside with that, um, if you are running socials and it doesn't have to be a stupid amount where you're fucking Instagramming for five hours each day to build this huge following because you think that's the be all and end all of how people judge you is a big fucking number next to your Instagram account. If you're just constantly active, you know, doing a post every day on Insta, it just takes you fucking 15 minutes and that's a long post. Max. Yeah, so 15 minutes out of your day and you can be posting on Insta every day. You know, the sprinkle in a Facebook post, um, same every day, maybe five a week. Um, and then... What you've got though is a situation where whenever you meet all these people at these shows, the band booker, the venue manager, all the other artists, they can then go, they'll like your page, you can connect with them on Facebook. You're now constantly adding to your socials as opposed to thinking, all right, I've got to go in extreme and build it to a huge online following and then I'm going to go play live. And that, like you can do all at once. I think having that that bit of perspective of stepping back and just understanding that it's going to build, it's going to build over time, mm. but it's baby steps in every direction. Baby steps of building your online following is a lot better than taking a huge leap of an unengaged audience. Same with playing live shows. Like you're a lot better to take baby steps, play shows week in, week out, get your chops up, learn your skills, then go into your first show, be supporting a monster fucking artist when you have no idea what the fuck's happening. And then if mm. something goes wrong, you're just going to completely shit yourself and you're going to think you're out yep. of your fucking depth and you're just going to build in yourself. Yeah. Mm. I think that's the worst thing that could happen in those scenarios where people spend absolutely all of their time on online stuff is you, if you do, if you have that scenario that you're talking about where they're sitting there waiting to be booked and one day they get booked and it's with some fucking decent artist and then you, yeah, you play even, the gig, you're nervous as fuck. Like, you're not, and you're not even – when the if you do get a good show like that, you're not even going to know what the fuck to send the booking agent when they ask for it. They'll go, hey, man, can I get your stage plot? You go, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> 
There's yeah, you there's just so Google much. What is a stage? You'd think bird. that, You'd, yeah. but the emails I've received says people don't Google that. They send someone an email asking what a stage plot is. That's that's silly. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think um, I reckon the online thing is totally viable. I reckon that's totally a viable career path for yep. a musician these days. Sure I reckon is. if you don't want to play live, you don't have to. You can Correct. be a complete online presence only. Yep, yep. you mm-hmm. can. With the intention of not playing live? With the intention of, like, yeah, not yeah. playing live. Yeah, so that's yep. a mindset thing, though. Yeah. yeah. Where the whole podcast, we've been talking about people that are expecting to get to eventually yeah, yeah, play yeah, live, yeah. live yeah. music. Yeah, you're definitely right. There is, yeah, especially 100%. you can make a living off music without playing mm-hmm. a live show. If you play your cards right with things like Patreon or, you know, the equivalent of whatever yeah. that, that might mm-hmm. be, you know, there's Bandcamp um, subscriptions. Um, so similar sort of thing. You basically <clears throat> pay a subscription to that artist that you like and on that Bandcamp webpage where they sell their music and their merch, they give their members um, exclusive access to certain things, video clips, um, songs that they don't release to the public, all that sort of stuff. So there, there's ways to, to go about being an online musician, super viable. You can play a set from your living room, um, you know, that takes uh, half an hour out of your day. You know, if you've got better gear, it might take a little bit longer. You eventually take steps to make everything look a lot nicer. It's the same thing with like Twitch gamers and stuff. When they first start, they might just be like some kid in their fucking bedroom and there's shit everywhere. But then as time goes on, they go, oh, this is actually working out here. I might actually get a backdrop or a green screen or Mm -hmm. something like that and project something up to my background. Invest some time into it, some money into it. You upskill yourself around it. Well, I know when we started, we... We didn't make it, let's just say that. But um, <laughs> we started with a webcam. Tell us what you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah. I started streaming with this my This is mates. gaming this on was, Twitch. This is an excuse to drink beers with my friends. This was like... But it was, it was gaming on Twitch. Yeah, it was roughly. It, okay. was, it was like we played things like Chuck Bass's Fishing Challenge and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, and we would play games that people sent us. Like they would send us terrible games and we would drink beers and try and figure out these games like yep. Portal Runner and stuff. Like Google that. It's fucking hilarious. Um, but and when you're talking about like you start like a step one where it's like you just just do it. Yeah. It's that mm. toolbox fallacy. Did I ever speak about this? I feel like I've already spoken no, about it. No. Okay. Not on the podcast. But I'm intrigued. The toolbox fallacy. Sounds okay. sexual. Yeah, doesn't it? Phallus. Phallus. Start with a big what old phallus. What is a phallus? Um, is a phallus a penis? <laughs> it's a shaft-like thing oh. <laughs> all right carry on <laughs> i liked where this is going um so the toolbox fallacy basically it's like an explanation of the term like pain is paint and right is right you know what i mean where it's like you there are people in this world that walk around telling other people that they are x i'm a painter i'm a writer i'm a singer i'm a musician yep. i'm a carpenter I'm, I'm a bank teller if you don't do those things then you're not that thing mm-hmm. right so the toolbox fallacy is the, oh, I need this before I can do this. Right, 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 right. So right. I can't produce music mm, until I have a computer. this com- powerful computer, like yeah, a very yeah. specific tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right? Yeah. I like it. Well, a painter doesn't, like they, they use what they've got because a painter paints. And a writer uses whatever they've got. Mm-hmm. The writer writes. You don't need yep. a typewriter. You don't need a computer to write. Mm. You do need just to write. Yep. So this whole thing of like when we started on Twitch, because this is, this is just like my own personal experience, so I don't really have anything else to compare it to, is that we got a shit fucking webcam that I dug out of a box that I had for years. Our internet connection was not even close to fast enough to put out an even watchable image. <laughs> like you can go back to our like first stuff and it was like, yeah, it was so pixelated that you didn't even know what game we were playing. Yeah. It was Fucked. That's awesome. And our audio was like one microphone, like four meters away, yep. picking up three people in a concrete room. It was horrible. <laughs> but then someone started yep. watching and we were like, oh, that's yeah. cool. Like someone watched. Yep. So I got a better microphone. Yep. And then I like got a better internet plan and yada, yada, yada. Until eventually, mm. I never upgraded the lights though. All the way to like 
two years in, we were still using floodlights with grease paper wrapped around them that would catch fire randomly. (laughs) (laughs) It's all part of it. It's all part part of it. Part of the drama. Building the suspense. The camera quality would die because we'd have to turn the floodlights off because the grease paper would call fire. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I like what you were touching on that with your um, little phallus there. Yeah, it's it's you've got <laughs> touching your little phallus. That idea of a lot of people because I think that ties into the imposter syndrome in the music industry a lot, where it's people are they one there's this validation and I think that comes from. My opinion is that because in music there isn't this you never get that phone call that you do in another job where you go you hand you send in your resume and mm. then you go to an interview and you get the call and they go fuck dude you got the job and you're like damn man this is sick mm-hmm. I got the fucking job that mm-hmm. really instantaneous gratification of fuck dude I did it I mm. got the job plus you the never fact get that, that there's no ne- not necessarily any feedback that you're getting yeah you know if you do a shit job at your workplace your boss tells you. Yep. But you, you don't have a manager when you're first starting. So who's telling you? No one. No one. You're just doing it. And usually people aren't going to tell you to your face. Like if you just yeah. played a first show. Good show, man. Yeah. You're like, if you just Thanks. played a first show, you your buddies good. aren't going to be like, hey, guess what, dude? You suck. Yeah, like, exactly. You'll really, You'd be really like bad. Unless you're my buddy. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think that it does tie in with that because there is definitely, um, yeah, people wait. It's like they're waiting for something else to validate that they're an artist, that they're a musician. Because I say that because I I knew, oh God, I can't remember his name. He was a dude at uni and he he was like telling people that he was a maker, like, you know, the new term maker. Yeah. And I was like fucking sick because like- Makers, they make things. They just make things. There's the makers movement, which is coming back. It's cool. I'm into it, dude. I love it. You would be. Yeah, because I'm a maker. Um, I would have called you a hipster. But he, 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 Faker? I'm wearing a corduroy hat. You can't <laughs> get cooler than this. I'm at the I'm at I'm number one right now. David Bowie ain't got shit on me. I'll dig him up. I love making so much. I'm wearing a Bunnings warehouse hat. <laughs> exactly. This is my number one. Um, on. So Bunnings. He is was my talking God. about how he's a maker, and it was like, oh, he didn't actually make anything. But he was just walking around. I'm like, well, like, you know, what do you make? And he's like, oh, I'm going to make, mm. you know, I can't even remember what it was. It was like some little weird 3D yeah, printed yeah. Probably thing. something stupid. And <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay. I didn't really understand. Like, I didn't know about the toolbox fallacy before then. I was like, I thought it was odd that he's going around telling people he's a maker. And yeah, he literally yeah, yeah. doesn't make it. Because what he is is full of shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of. But he's got, he has every intention. To make that means this. nothing. But he, he's in his mind, he's like, I can't start but see, until this. And that is a wrong and, for lack of a better word, shitty mindset. Yeah. Because just go out and do it. Yeah. But that's, but like, that, if that, you're, that's if you're a one. maker, you don't have to tell people you make. Yeah. If you're a painter, you don't have to tell people. People no. know this because you do it. Yeah. Correct. Your actions speak louder than words. Yes. If you have to tell someone what you do and it's not backed up by any action, you are full of shit. Yeah. So yeah. it was that whole fallacy comes back, like comes boils down to a person does the thing that they are. Mm. So a yeah. carpenter. You can be a shit talker. Builds yeah. houses. Yeah. And you are a carpenter because you build houses. You're not. Uh, like a carpenter, because like no, yeah. not, you don't build houses because you're a carpenter. It's not mm. like the other way around. Mm. Um, so that's step one. I find in every surprisingly industry. good from you, Davey. Yeah, You've been on fire this week. <laughs> it's because I've been drinking more. <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking less. Just for everyone listening, in case they were wondering. No I'm one cares. Sober October. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. No you're like a, you're like a vegan around here right now, <laughs> walking around being like, oh yeah, you hungover. Well, I don't drink anymore. So. Do I have an aura around me? I feel like I have an yeah, aura. Yeah, kind of. It's like this aura of smug. <laughs> <laughs> Just walk around being like, oh, it's bad for your living, you know? Yeah, like LA is full of smog. Yeah. You're full of smug. smug. Exactly. Oh, nice. Mm. You know what I'm not full of, though? Alcohol and toxins. Oh, yes. Mm. Toxins. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Mm, delicious toxins. Anyway, getting back to your... Reasonably good point. Fuck yeah, dude. I got a so this, yeah, this, the mm. steps that you must take to do anything in any field. And I guess. Oh, and sorry, I'm, just, <sighs> I'm going to jump in there. <laughs> but on that, if someone builds a online following on Instagram and Facebook that says that they're an artist, but they're not playing live, are they an artist? See, that's what I was about to start talking about. I think you were hitting on that. Yeah, I just think that. It depends on what you actually do. 
It always depends on what you actually do. Because you can say whatever you want. Correct. Well, I mean, they do it like there's so, so many people who have it, life but, coach in their Instagram profile and they're full of shit. If you have musician in mm. your Instagram and you're just building And you're just playing following. guitars in your bedroom. Yes. Not recording them. Yes. And not playing anything, not releasing anything. Yes. Then you're a hobbyist. Yes. I don't so think you're not, you can. Yeah, yeah, you're not a musician. So it's like, what do mm. you do? What do you spend most of your time doing? That is what you are. Like, I would call myself a designer, but, but really, I think I'm just a professional masturbator. But <laughs> someone has to pay you to be a but, professional. But, but, I'm paying. No, the, on, <laughs> no, but on that though, what about people that don't get paid for the things that they do and they genuinely work hard at what they do and they don't see anything for the first year or so? But I think for the first but they're year doing or it. so, then. I would argue that correct and not that. It's but a hobby. If, what if that's all that they do and they don't have a job and they're on the dole? But you're saying, no, because you're saying mm. that validation comes with payment. Well, yeah, now this is, well, that's what I'm not sure of. I, yeah. As I said that, now I'm wondering, yeah, where, what? If they do it, if they are, if they do it, then they art, are it. They are an artist. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. And that can be a part time artist. Yes, I definitely agree. That can be yep. live. That yep. could be on the side of the road. Yeah. Yep. You can be a part time artist as well. You don't You don't have to be a full time artist. Yeah. Yeah. Still makes you an artist, but you're not a professional artist because you do something. Well, you else. can be a part time professional. Well, then if you're part time, isn't professional. I don't know what the. Professional just means someone pays you. A professional means that you, you get paid for. Get, it. Yeah, you get paid for it. Like a professional skateboarder gets paid to skateboard. So, if you don't get paid for it, it's a hobby. Like I play baseball, but you're not a baseballer. No. Yeah. So I got paid while I Twitch streamed. Yes. Yeah. So, so you, you were a professional. Yep. 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 You were a professional, you were a professional gamer. I was a professional drinker. I didn't actually play the games while we streamed. So everyone yep. else did. Yeah. Milky played the games, and me and Declan would speak. And yeah, but you were a you were part of that. You were a twitcher. There. Yeah. Okay. I am a, a tweaker. Tweaker. <laughs> fuck me. Mm, Professional. Interesting. Because <laughs> I guess now what I'm thinking is what I'm uh, in my head. Just so everyone who wants to follow along with my thought process. So, say for instance, somebody is a tradie. Hypothetically, let's say that you're a carpenter. That's what you do for a job. You wake up at six. You go. You're a carpenter, but. Your main interest is surfing. That's what you fucking love. As soon as you mm -hmm. knock off, you go down to the ocean, you surf. Weekends come, you surf. Someone's asked you, like, what are you into? You'd be like, yeah, man, surfing. And your actions do back that up. Yeah. Your actions say that you enjoy surfing. But yeah. do you spend more time yeah. carpentering? No, well, is that I, I have a thing here. Go. You're a surfer. You're just not a professional surfer. Yes. So if someone so goes, what are your interests? What are your interests? You're a sur you like I'm surfing. A if someone goes, what do you do? You're a carpenter. Yeah. What do you, yeah. Well, it depends on what question they're asking. Mm. What do you what do you what do you do for work? A living. What do you yeah, do for work. a living? Then it's I'm a carpenter. To what you're interested in. But I'm a surfer at so, heart. So now let's take that analogy and apply it to music. If someone say was working a full or part time job mm -hmm. and trying to be a musician or a musician after hours, so they love playing drums. As soon as they finish work, they get home. They play drums. Weekends, mm -hmm. they're playing drums. I are they in a musician? Or is yes. drumming a hobby? They're a musician. They're just not a professional. Yep. But see, still this, a musician. This mm -hmm. is yeah. So here's the thing. Still though. a musician. Okay. You yeah. You're playing music. Well, yeah. The fact that you're doing Do, it, doing it means you are yes. Correct. But you can't be like I am a. Oh, you can. You can be. You like can't a say I'm a full time musician. No. Yes. So when you say so, what do you do? You can't be like musician. Even in you even can. in your heart of hearts, you can. you're like I am a musician. Unless you, you can, but. You're just not doing it as much as you could be. Because I, I feel think, like I what think. you do is, oh, I work at a call center. Well, you're or, kidding yourself, but yeah. but who is it affecting? It's affecting you. Yeah, that's... But that's that, semantics. Who cares? But I think that builds on this... That, it's a mindset. Thing. Yes. Yeah, yes. 100%. 100%. I think there's nothing wrong with saying you're something. If you believe it, then that's okay. If you can build yourself up, you might be a shit talker at the same time though. You know, and people are going to see through whatever it is. People, people think that they have this idea of themselves. People can see you for who you are pretty much 90% yeah. of the time, like with everyone. You're very no, – no one's that – no one's that guarded that they have 
this facade that they play up unless they're like a celebrity and someone paints them a certain way or whatever. But if you're just like you and me, people meet you and they go, that guy is that and what what they believe is true. Mm. I think that's the important thing as well is that if I say I'm a musician and you see me as a musician, then I'm a musician, right? Yeah. If you find out eventually that I'm not, then I'm not. See, I I'd, um, mm. I'm lost. I'm so yeah. lost. <laughs> We've gone down quite the rabbit hole here. <laughs> Super interesting though. Yeah, I don't know that it necessarily matters too much. It's more about just get out there and do it if you're yeah. if you're interested in something. But I think the the important part of the topic that we were discussing is I think live live music, if you're yep. a musician, there's so much validity, there's so much to learn mm-hmm. playing music live and getting your chops up and just just going along for the ride for the however long you do it for that you cannot learn when you don't do it. Yep. And I think it's only going to help get out of that imposter syndrome especially cuz I mean, I can only imagine if you had a big online following and you'd never played live, like you would have this bit of imposture to say I'm a musician when you've mm. never played live, but you've got a huge people who follow you for your music. Mm. So I think part of the way to alleviate that is obviously to play live, is mm. getting out there. I think so yeah, you you've definitely are... got to find the best of both worlds. I think definitely online presence is crucial, but I think at the end of the day, it validates what you do on the stage. Yeah. And I think if if we do flip it and if we say you're only playing music live and you have no online socials at all, there is a chance that if you do it well, you can get hired because you can work really hard to get gigs and all this sort of stuff. You're just probably not going to get um, as much out of it as if you have the online stuff to back it up because all of that stuff gets you is the ease of getting gigs because you know, what else are you going to do? Fucking call every venue. Like mm. that's so, that just isn't a thing. Yeah. You're not, you're not even if you're emailing, emailing is a, a crucial step, but it's hard without the socials. Mm-hmm. So you need both, but I think playing live to me teaches you so much. Yep. And I don't think that you can get as much out of being a musician if you haven't done it. Yep. So you guys are falling very heavily on the side of play live. Yep. I think I am. on the side of sit in your bedroom, your mum's house forever. <laughs> but, mm. but, and but. It, like there's no right It's probably because you haven't experienced it though. Nah, I think, no, I think that's just his opinion, which is fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I, you sound like a cult. You're like, do it and play live. It's cool. <laughs> I like you. Because mm. I mean, I, I guess there'd be like, because if we look at it in extremes, if you went down the path of just being in your mother's bedroom for David's example. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> I'm not in my mother's bedroom. Oh, sorry. I'm in my mother's basement. <laughs> there is a vast difference. <laughs> so say you're building an online following from your mom's basement. Um, there is a chance that you will get discovered and someone will pull you and you will then go on to play live shows. If you are just playing live without an online presence, is there a chance someone will find you and give you a big online following? It's very difficult. It's very difficult. Mm. Ah, fuck the establishment. Go your own way. Don't do it. Don't, Don't play into the venues. Just do it online. Online, let's do it. Yeah. Let's start a revolution. The online artist. If anyone out there listening wants to go down one of these paths, could you do it and let us know how it pans out? <laughs> or if you've already done if this, let done us know. It, yeah, that's yeah, easier. That's, yeah. I mean, I think, feel like Claria kind of did the internet way. Yeah, it wasn't intentional. That was like accidental um, online. Yeah, Not accidental is not the right word. It was happenstance. I don't know what that, that means. Well, it yeah, means that, that one. <laughs> Huberstank. <laughs> it was Huberstank. I don't know what that meant, so I'm going to take it as an offense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so for no, those who don't know. it just means that it happened. Raya, she was an out, accident. She was, she'd write rhymes, um, started off as writing poetry, but then that turned into um, writing rhymes and um, writing lyrics about her, about her life to, um, yeah, as a way of escapism. She put up some videos on YouTube without, like, not like she went and filmed a music clip. It was just her in a room um, on a chair, spitting rhymes into a camera. Um, they went big in 2014 and did huge amounts of views on YouTube. Um, and, yeah, without her playing a show. 
but it wasn't her intention to go, all right, everyone, I'm going to build a big YouTube audience. Yes, and correct. then play. it was, she was doing it from a very genuine place that that's what she did to express expression. herself. Yeah. And because it was so genuine and so pure, people catch on to that. Um, yeah, I think that comes back to exactly what I was saying about well, people will see you. Horn, then. People will see you as you are, mm. and you can put out a facade, but people are going to see through it eventually. That's yep. Yeah, I think that's it. I think Stewie has done it. Mm. Number one, number yep. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Well, it comes out of it. She was she was a rapper, so rappers rap. She rapped. So yeah, didn't, she didn't need. <laughs> That what shit. a sentence. That was awesome. She was a rapper, rapper's rap, 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 rapper's rap. <laughs> it's a song. So now I'm a rapper, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. this is recorded. You can't rhyme rap with rap. And this is recorded and it's going online. I'm now a rapper. Ipso facto. Ipso facto. You got paid for this. Call me MC Bunnings. <laughs> That's good, actually. Don't encourage him. <laughs> That's good. That's a good name. No, I think you I'm have really nailed good. it on the head, Stu. You're, um, people will see you for what you do. Um... You can talk you can, all the game in the world. Yeah. It's so easy to see through. A hundred, and I, I think, think even it, on the flip side, like if you were to say to someone, oh, I'm not a musician and I don't play drums and I hate guitar. Like if you were to say that and someone watches your action. <laughs> it'd be very you'd be, weird you'd, for me. You'd be, yeah, but you'd be like, <laughs> you'd oh, okay. Now, but you'd be like, okay, so he was either joking or something because he does play drums and he loves music. People like, would find it. Because it's that's you. Mm. And so, yeah, I guess if peop- if you're not playing drums, you're not doing this and you're going around saying that, yeah, I think... Um, Can you please explain that to people next time? Like next social club? Just be like... Uh, just out of nowhere. I'm not really into music that much, so don't worry. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I just click buttons and somehow <laughs> it works out. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Ah, it's interesting. Well, that was good. So I think what are the um, takeaways from here, Stu? Um, that both an online presence as well as live performing is important. In my opinion, you... You can't learn the stuff that you learn when you're playing live and doing a number of gigs regularly, seeing different venues, meeting different people that are involved in the gigs. You just can't learn that stuff anywhere mm. else. Yep. It's impossible. Yep, definitely. Oh, call All me right. MC Drillbit. I'm the sharp edge of the drill rap movement. <laughs> He's been thinking about that wow. since he stopped talking. Yes, he has. Oh, the cogs turned for a while on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that your name in um, corporate structure? MC drill bit. It is now. <laughs> oh, it's excellent. not tax related. <laughs> well, right. on, on that note, um, this has been a another podcast from Marshall Street. If you liked or even if you didn't like what we talked about, feel free to press like and give us a good rating wherever Comment. you listen to podcasts. Yep. Comment Got any on questions YouTube. for me, Stuart Davies, send them in. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all the usual places. Um And we'll see you all next week for another episode of the Marshall Street Podcast. Bye.